0: one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. This is Lord of the Lord. Imagine with me a scale. Maybe the kind you might have used in high school science class, where there's a, a beam going across, and you've got two pans on either side, with which to weigh things against each other. Got in mind that kind of scale? Think of a scale. Now on one side of the scale, you have gospel truth. You have the calling to which we've been called in Jesus. You have elect before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1. You have made alive in Christ by grace alone, Ephesians 2. You've been joined to Jesus and His his people in the body of Christ, Ephesians 3. And on the other side of the scale, you place our conduct in the church. How we are to now live. Got that in mind? The goal, we're told here, the goal is to balance those scales. The goal is, as it were, give equal weight to this glorious calling. And the conduct we are now called to. That's the picture behind the word worthy in verse 1. The apostle says in verse 1, I urge you to walk or to live worthy, worthy of the calling to which you've been called. That word worthy kind of means equal weight. The picture is balance the scales. Balance the scales. And here first in this passage we are to do so as it relates to To unity. God wants us to weigh those things out together. On the one side, the calling to which the believer has been called. On the other side, unity with brothers and sisters around you. God is saying, balance those scales. Give equal weight to these things. God is in effect asking us, am I giving equal weight to unity? despite a contentious election in nine days? Am I giving equal weight to unity, despite a pandemic with various views about it? Am I giving equal weight to unity, despite perhaps the sin or hurt or disappointment we sometimes experience in the church? Friends, the message here is balance the scales between calling Glorious calling and conduct, how we now live. I would sum it up like this. Live worthy of the gospel by our eager display of unity in the gospel. We're to balance the scales. We are to live worthy of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, by our eager display, zealous display, of unity in that gospel. Now, what we need here then are three elements to do that. Three elements in this passage to help us balance the scales like that. And I want to take them in reverse order. We wouldn't normally do this, but let's take them in reverse order as they appear in the passage. First, let's see our basis for unity. Our basis for unity. Look at verse 4 again with me, please. Verse 4 says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 7 times a one reference is being made. One body, one spirit, etc. It might be It might be from an early Christian creed or confession. We're not entirely sure. But they seem to be structured around the three persons of the Godhead, the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in reverse order. Notice, there is one body and one spirit, the spirit joining us together in the body of Christ. In this letter, we've seen that's Jew and Gentile Christian People who hated each other are now fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ, chapter three, verse six. And so we have, it says, one hope, a common hope about our future in and through Jesus. One one Lord, Jesus Christ, the head of the church. One faith in Him and about Him. One baptism is a sign symbol of identification of Jesus and one father God as our father who is over all who believe making us family his family brothers and sisters together in the church so the basis the basis friends of unity is the person and work of the triune God father son and holy spirit take that in That is not a flimsy basis for unity. (laughs) The person and work of the triune God. That is a firm foundation. A strong foundation for unity together. But often, often we forget this basis, don't we? It seems often in the church we're willing to make other things more important than those items. I don't know how many kids have seen the animated movie Shrek. Kids, how many have seen Shrek? All right, a number of kids in the back there. Good, and Robert. Good. In the movie Shrek, the king desires to to bring Princess Fiona into his kingdom. But Fiona is locked in a castle guarded by a deadly, fire-breathing dragon. So the king gathers his bravest knights, and the knights are supposed to battle each other until only one is standing, and then that knight will go and rescue Princess Fiona. But first the king gives an inspirational speech. He says, Brave knights, today one of you shall prove himself that champion shall have the honor no the privilege to go forth and rescue the lovely princess fiona some of you will die today but it's a sacrifice i'm willing to make (laughs) now brothers and sisters that's how we can treat unity in the church you know it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. We are in effect saying something of this basis, I am willing to sacrifice. Something else has become more important to me than one God, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. And so now I'm willing in some way to sacrifice you. And what we need, very often, is what I heard one seminary professor call, a theology of relative importance. I think it's a nice phrase. A theology of relative importance. You know, some things, some truths, they're like a, a one-lane bridge. Only one is available. Only one way forward. There's no negotiation, no flexibility, but some issues are more like a a six lane highway, or maybe an eight or 10 lane highway. You could be in a different lane from another Christian, and you're still heading the same direction just fine. The issues listed here, friends, these are one lane issue, one lane bridge issues. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. I realize Christians have different views on applying baptism, but we all agree it's an important sign of identifying with Jesus. Those issues, those seven references, issues like who is Jesus, the nature of God, the way of salvation, those are one lane bridge issues. A lot's at stake there. But there are many other issues that are six, eight, even ten-lane highways. A view of a particular spiritual gift. A certain structure of church government. A musical preference. Usually not a lot is at stake. And the point I'm making is, don't make ten-lane highways into one-lane bridges. Keep this basis for unity before you. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. For, as you do, that basis produces secondly, an eagerness. So secondly, see, our eagerness for unity the eagerness we need verse three backing up to verse three it says eager eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace maybe more literally it's being eager to maintain It's, it's ongoing or as the new american standard version says being diligent ongoing, being diligent, it's ongoing activity, and it's in urgent terms. Marcus Barth captures this, he says, the imperative, eager to maintain, the imperative excludes passivity, quietism, a wait and see attitude. Yours is the initiative, do it now, need it, you are to do it. Do you feel the urgency then? It's not passively waiting. For that person to come to you, ours is the initiative, do it now, go to them. God wants us to be a church with that kind of eagerness for unity. Notice, notice it's being eager to maintain, to maintain the unity of the spirit. We don't create this unity. God creates this unity. Our job is to display the unity God has created. Our job is to do all we can to make this unity and to keep this unity visible, seen. But we don't always do that. The only sculpture The only sculpture Michelangelo ever signed was the... I think it's pronounced Pieta. It's a statue of Mary holding a crucified Jesus. The only sculpture Michelangelo signed that was owned. It was installed in St. Peter's Basilica in the year 1500, and was there undisturbed until 1972. When a vandal rushed past security and with a hammer began to attack this sculpture. Mary's arm was shattered and there was extensive damage to her face and I read over the next year experts had to gather up the shards and slivers of damaged marble and painstakingly piece them back together, friends, our display of unity is like that. It can be easily shattered, it can be easily shattered and often it's hard to repair. Our church history in general, church history in general is just littered with examples, easily shattered display of unity, difficult to put the pieces back together. This is why we must be eager, why we must be diligent, why we must feel this sense of urgency here, because it's much easier and better to maintain unity on the front end and to put it back together on the back end. It's much easier to protect unity than painstakingly try to piece it back together again. This is why God says, be eager, be diligent to preserve your display of unity, Grace Church. But let me add, The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is big enough to enable us to repair the damage. Unity doesn't have to be like Humpty Dumpty. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. Our basis for unity is strong enough to enable us to do so. I simply want to ask you, where do you need to be eager like this right now, friends? Where is God calling you to be diligent, to display unity like this with those around you? Maybe, maybe there is a relationship where it's strained now and some way you've withdrawn from that person Remember what you share in common. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. And so renew your eagerness to display that unity with that person. Be diligent to display unity with them. It might mean reaching out to them today and saying, hey, could we talk about what happened? but what needs to happen then what needs to happen in our hearts and our relationships to do this well third third our conduct our conduct for unity verse one says walk worthy of the gospel walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called balance the scales right balance the scales between calling and conduct. And then verse 2 says, with with all humility. All. Friends, humility is crucial because pride destroys unity. Show me, show me division in the church and I will show you pride behind that division. Humility preserves unity, pride shatters unity and then next we're told with all gentleness put the all as well before the gentleness all humility and all gentleness or meekness you might say but it is not some kind of weakness it is strength under control that's gentleness that's meekness strength under control emotions under control it's the opposite of being brash or harsh or rude and then with patience, it says, long-suffering, bearing with one another. Another translation puts it, putting up with one another. I like that. Putting up with one another, because the assumption is, sometimes we have to put up with each other. Including myself, I have to be born with by others. Sometimes we're not easy to put up with, and that includes me. In reflecting on this, I was thinking that I have been, I think I would put it this way, I think I've been a bit perfectionistic lately. And a perfectionist is usually, in some form, proud, at least in my case. And so I can think of times, at a minimum in my heart, when I have not been humble or gentle. And that included a a, a meeting I had with Joshua last Tuesday where I think at a minimum in my heart I was not being humble or meek. And I wrote to him in an email that afternoon and said, thank you for bearing with me because I need that. And friends, you do too. We need people bearing with us, and we must bear with others. And we do so, notice, in love. Those last two words are important. In love. Tradition says the Apostle John exiled on the island of Patmos, was taken into congregations as an elderly man, and his exhortation was just five words, which he simply repeated, little children, love one another. That was his message. Little children, love one another. That's the heart of all unity. Little children, brothers and sisters, love one another. Now I want to admit something to you, I admit that this sounds good on paper, but in real life can be awfully hard sometimes. I read about a scene in the novel, Brothers Karamazov, off, right? Did I say that correctly, Karamazov? All right, tell me later. <laughs> Whatever it's called, Father Zosima, whatever his name is, Joe. Yeah, he recalls the confession of a doctor who said, "Quote, this. I love mankind, but the more I love mankind in general, the less I love people in particular. In my dreams." In my dreams, I often went so far as to think of passionately serving mankind. Yet I am incapable of living in the same room with anyone even for two days. Catch this. In 24 hours, I can begin to hate even the best of men. One because he takes too long eating his dinner. Another because he keeps blowing his nose. I become the enemy of people the moment they touch me. Can you relate to that? (laughs) Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with in love sounds so good on paper, hard to do in real life sometimes. When someone is close to you, when you're in the same home group together, when you're in the same Bible study, when you're hanging out together on a regular basis, then they start to annoy you. Then their little habits bother you. Oh, he talks too much. Oh, she doesn't talk enough. Or you fill in the blank. Look, it's the person you're thinking about right now. (laughs) And here's what we must realize. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with, in love, it's how God relates to you in Christ Jesus said in Matthew 11 take my yoke upon you learn things for I am gentle and lowly or humble in heart same root words as used in Ephesians 4 I am gentle and humble in heart and he will find rest in your souls. Friends, when all humility and all gentleness seem impossible, look to Jesus Christ. See how he's relating to you right now if you are a believer in Jesus. See him saying to you, come to me, learn from me, I am gentle and humble toward you in his outstanding book that i would highly recommend gentle and lowly dane ortland comments quote jesus is not trigger-happy not harsh not reactionary or easily exasperated He is the most understanding person in the universe. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The the posture, the posture most natural to Jesus is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Friends, if that's how God is relating to you in Christ, then that is how we are to relate to each other in the church. Not harsh. Not reactionary. I can't believe they did that. Not easily exasperated. I would never do that. Not with pointed fingers of accusation, but open arms of acceptance. Look, when unity is hard, and sometimes it is, see Jesus, humble and gentle toward you, bearing with you, patient with you, in life. That's our basis, our eagerness, our conduct for unity. Are you seeing why living worthy of the gospel requires our eager display of unity in this gospel? I want to make I want to make some extended application. I want to think about balancing calling and conduct like this in two areas. The first is politics. Because we have a contentious election in a contentiously uh, divided political world. Friends, no, no one political party perfectly represents the kingdom of God. Not one political party perfectly represents God's kingdom. They're not trying to do so. And they don't. So, So, followers of Jesus will vote in differing ways. The question then is, how can we have unity within political diversity? Well, use this basis, producing this eagerness for this conduct laid out. Put it on the scale. On one side, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. Put on top of that, the calling to which we've been called, elected for the foundation of the world, made alive in Christ by grace alone, joined to Jesus and his people. All of that on one side of the scale. On the other side, put Republican or Democrat, Libertarian, Independent. Now if you think, Tap, I can't balance that skin. I can't give equal weight to unity in the church. Because of that political difference, we cannot have close, personal, loving fellowship in the church. If you're thinking that, you're saying, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, are not weightier than that political party. You're saying that political identification weighs more for you, And I want to suggest to you, friend, that political identity has become too weighty for you and the gospel too light. Apply this basis. Become eager to display unity. See the triune God. See the triune God being patient with you. Bearing with you. Then you can relate to others in the church who vote differently from you with all humility, all gentleness, patience, and love, friends. That's politics. We'll talk more about that next week. What about, what I would call, pandemic unity? What about pandemic unity? I'm not sure if you saw the, the viral video from a Starbucks in Santee, where a customer is cussing out the barista, because the barista very kindly asked the person to put their face covering back on while inside the store. I mean, it's just a tense time right now, isn't it? Maybe you're feeling that. We're living in this tension. From COVID concerned, to COVID annoyed, and everyone in between, with a spectrum of response, from very concerned about the virus to don't take away my rights as an American, everyone in between. There's a spectrum of perspective, a spectrum of response. How can we have unity within pandemic diversity? Well, apply the spaces. Put it on the scale. Weigh it out. On one side, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father to that, the calling to what you've been called. Elect in Christ Jesus for the foundation of the world. Alive in Christ, by grace alone. Joined with Jesus in the body of Christ. Put all that on one side of the scale. On the other side, put <clears throat> mask or no mask. Outdoor, indoor. Six feet apart or not. And I ask you, which is weightier for you right now? which weighs more for you right now. If you think these pandemic differences are too great to overcome, I must withdraw from other people. When you can't balance those scales, brothers and sisters, then your pandemic perspective has become too weighty. Your pandemic preferences too heavy and the Gospel to light. And see instead Jesus saying to you, come to me, learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. Not reactionary toward you. Not exasperated with you. Not pointing a finger of accusation. But open arms of acceptance. See Jesus relating to you like that, brothers and sisters. And then we shall, will we not relate to each other with all humility and all gentleness, with patience, being long suffering, bearing with, putting up with each other in love? Will we not? And you can run those scenarios, basis, eagerness, conduct, or countless other issues. Your view of race relations, Supreme Court proceedings tomorrow, mail-in ballots, on and on and on, list a thousand things. And you wanna ask yourself, am I eager to display unity there? Am I diligent to display unity in the church with those who differ? And if not, why not? Am I making a six-lane highway into a one-lane bridge? Has some other issue become too heavy for me? And the gospel too light? God wants us to meet us this. God wants to meet us this way, brothers and sisters. He loves us. He loves you. So all this might be. It might just merely be preventative health care. And if so, receive it as such. Remember this passage in your Bible. But maybe God is is lovingly speaking to you about a situation. Or about an attitude right now. That is His love for you. So respond to that. Respond to Him. And His good work in your life. Might mean praying over this passage. Might mean meditating on this basis for unity until you are eager to maintain it and you are able, by God's grace, to show this conduct. Because God is so for us, He wants us, friends, to live worthy of the gospel through our eager display of unity. In the gospel. Now as we close I want us to do two things, two things and the first is to remind ourselves of this basis through the Apostles Creed. It's printed on your song lyrics at the very bottom on the back page. This Creed is, is quite similar in ways to those seven one statements that we saw. It's about professing belief in the Holy Catholic Church. That means universal church, because these are truths that universally bind Christians everywhere. So allow these truths to unite our hearts together once again. Are you ready? You got the Apostles' Creed before you. Here we go. Grace Church, what do you believe? He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Isn't that good to recount? That's what unites us together, friends.